Hello and welcome to Meet My Potential podcast. This podcast is for high achievers who aspire to meet their goals with ease and peace of mind. This is your host, Deepa Natarajan. Before we start, I'm going to invite you to go over to www.meetmypotential.com slash ebook so you can get my brand new ebook with common traits of high achievers and how you can leverage them to reach your goals with ease and peace of mind. So that's www.meetmypotential.com slash ebook. The topic of this episode is What is Conscious Leadership with Bob Anderson? This particular episode was recorded back in November 2018 with Bob Anderson and since then the number of times this particular episode has been downloaded has just been constantly increasing and therefore I decided to repost this episode And before you actually hear the extract of the entire interview, I'm going to share with you three main things that I would like you to retain, to remember, or to pay attention to when you're listening to the interview. And before we get into the interview, I'd like to introduce to you who is actually Bob Anderson. Bob Anderson has dedicated his life his career to exploring the intersection between leadership and personal mastery between competence and consciousness. He is the creator and author of the Leadership Circle Profile, which is a very innovative leadership assessment tool. Bob is really a true pioneer in the field of leadership development and research. So before we head into the interview with Bob, the three main things that I'd really like you to pay attention when you're listening to the interview is when he talks about first, what is conscious leadership? We're all conscious. And the question is, to what degree uh, are we conscious? He says that someone we call unconscious is basically operating at an earlier degree or or has a much less mature level of consciousness than someone who has a higher maturity in consciousness. And with the work that he has done, and the Leadership Circle Profile, they have seen very high levels of correlation between the inner maturity of a person in their consciousness and the leadership effectiveness that they play out in organizations. This is statistically proven by the work that he and his organization has done. So there's a lot of data that proves how the level of conscious maturity impacts the level of effectiveness in an organization. The second point he mentions is that there are three levels of leadership, starting with reactive, creative, and integral. Reactive level of leadership is when one plays an outside-in game. What he means by an outside-in game is when we are conditioned to work or operate from the conditions of the exterior world. That is when we say yes, even though we disagree, when we do things because that's what's expected, that's the norm, when we start complying and, or for instance, when we are driven by a very high need to achieve and when we lean in too much on that need to achieve and being driven, we can at times get autocratic, get aggressive about it, about our need to achieve and we can get highly attached to our own ideas, that we get threatened about our sense of identity when our ideas are dismissed, that is, we become our ideas. 
He says that our core operating system is formed from our beliefs and assumptions. So in a reactive leadership style, we are less conscious of our automatic patterns. That is, we're less consciously aware of our beliefs and assumptions that are driving us and that have us. And therefore, we start operating from those beliefs and from those values and we're not aware of them. And therefore, this reaches limits and we hit against a wall. The move from a reactive to a creative leadership style is becoming much less authored by others and becoming more self-authored. A self-authored perspective is asking yourself the question, how do I embody the vision as a leader? What is the vision that I believe in? How do I embody a kind of culture that we are trying to co-create in this organization? What is the culture that we need to create in this organization? And how can I be that culture? What do I need to start doing? What kind of relationships do I need to have? What do I need to foster so that the organization starts having those kind of relationships? So in a more creative leadership style, we become much more self-authoring. And in that creative leadership style, we have a much more purposeful vision and a much more purposeful stance of the world that we want to create and the outcomes that we want to create. The third important aspect that I'd like to point you to is where he mentions that the level of complexity of the human operating system, the way we're operating, the way our brains are thinking, we need to grow the complexity of our inner brain in order to meet the challenges and the complexity of the outer world that exists. So there's always a gap and we're constantly in a gap. And he says that others see you with much more precision and clarity than you ever knew yourself. And so feedback is the best way to grow and to get closer between the level of complexity of our brain and the level of complexity and the challenges that are out there in the world. And if you believe that you are your primary asset and as a leader, you bring the weather and you shift and you change whatever is happening around you and whatever is happening around you is just a reflection of you. So... Keeping that in mind, that you are your best asset, how can you develop yourself? I truly believe, and I've been using the Leadership Circle profile in a lot of the work that I do to develop leaders with companies that I work with. So if you're keen and want to know a little bit more about what is the level of effective leadership that you have, and if you want to know a little bit more about the Leadership Circle profile, do get in touch with me, just head over to meetmypotential.com and write me an email and I read every single email. Love to share with you more details about the Leadership Circle profile or just head over to the Leadership Circle, reach out to Bob and his team. I'm sure they'll be happy to help you and your organization out. In the meantime, enjoy the episode. Welcome, Bob. Uh, It's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining and pleasure to have you on this call. Tell us what is conscious leadership? Well, that's the $94,000 question, right? It's, uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's it maybe easier to start with what is, uh, what is unconscious leadership? Sure. You know, like who, who wants to work for an unconscious leader? Sure. I don't get many people that raise their hands when I ask that question. And um, they just smile and nod and they know what that's like. And yet, 
none of us is unconscious. It's, it's really a matter of degree. So someone we would call unconscious is actually operating at an earlier level of consciousness or a less mature level of consciousness. And so um, we're all conscious, and the question is to what degree. And what we've been doing now for probably the last 20 years is researching the intersection between the mature, your maturity, your level of inner maturity, how mature is your inner game, and how that translates into leadership effectiveness. And we find uh, not only uh, um, anecdotal correlation, in other words, you know, it's a nice thing to believe in, but we actually have um, very sophisticated measures. And every way we measure this, we find that less complex mind and heart operating system that's more like DOS rather than Windows, rather than Windows 10. Earlier maturity just is not up to what it takes today to lead in a complex business environment that we're in. So we distinguish between three levels of leadership, one we call reactive, one we Mm -hmm. call creative, Mm -hmm. and the next is integral. About 80% of leaders are running a reactive level of leadership, and that's underpinned by an operating system mm-hmm. that's what we call outside-in. It's authored by others. In other words, I'm mostly leading from my conditioning. Mm-hmm. So, um, for example, one of my early messages was that if I really wanted to, to be seen as worthwhile and valuable, it was helpful to be nice, friendly, and kind, and not speak my mind, uh, which got me in trouble at times. And so I learned to play it safe by always being agreeable. And that worked to a point uh, until I started to lead, and I wanted to really lead change, and I wanted everybody to like me in that literally doesn't work. Um, Later, I got into, I started to notice that I had a very driven need to have everything my way. Uh, If you do it, uh, if you want it done right, do it yourself or do it, you know, have it done perfectly, do it yourself. And that ran into limits of scale. I became a fairly autocratic, critical leader, and that ran into limits to scale. And so, that's what we call reactive leadership. I'm leading, whether I'm aware of it or not, from these deep um, beliefs and assumptions that have been running that we, you know, that we put in there when we were young and they've been running us for a long time mm-hmm. and they get us only so far. And then they're outmatched by the complexities of the challenges we face in adult life and families and marriages and leadership organization and so on. And then we need to do the work of upgrading that and that's very significant work and so the move to creative is a move into what bob keegan at harvard one of the foremost researchers on stages of development or stages of consciousness calls self-authoring so we move from being authored by others to being authored by self and here we're now less focused on all the messages from uh, how i'm supposed to be from my current and past environment I'm much more focused on uh, creating a vision that I believe in, creating an organization that matters and uh, can create outcomes that are worthy of our deepest commitments and so on. So that's that's a very different purposeful, visionary, self-authoring stance in the world, and it has huge implications for leadership. Now, what we're finding is that all the ways we're trying to create organizations today, to design organizations, to be more agile, to be more uh, adaptive, to be more innovative, 
engaging and so on, they literally will not arise or boot up on reactive leadership. It can't happen. They're, they depend on leadership that's functioning at a minimum at creative or higher. It's kind of like when you go to the, you know, buy a piece of software, you look at, well, what are the minimum specs, right? What are the system requirements? So the system requirements and leadership requirements are all the ways we're designing organizations today to be more adaptive in the face of the kind of complexity we're in um, and require creative or higher. And that is a huge shift, uh, both in terms of how we show up in the outer world and how we design our inner world. There's a significant difference between the reactive style and the self-authoring creative style. It almost seems like the reactive style of being safe and wanting to get things done for the self, for the sake of achievement and becoming very autocratic is coming from a need of self-identity being recognized, right. a creating right. sense of safety over there. Yes. So... Uh, just a quick story, my own story. I won't get into all the details here, but um, I was in a pretty difficult conflict with one of my partners, Bill Adams, and co-author on the book Mastering Leadership and the book we're about to come out with, uh, Scaling Leadership. Uh-huh. And when the two founders of the businesses uh, at Loggerheads, uh, and it's really uh, intense, it's pretty scary and pretty intense. And uh, for for everybody, for and for the business, and so I was working it, and um, I finally got clear that maybe I was contributing to the problem. <laughs> I stepped away from my reactive blaming mm-hmm. and said, "Okay, maybe this has something to do with how I'm showing up." And I dropped in, and uh, over a period of time, uh, did some work, and then all of a sudden, it just uh, I was out on a walk on a winter's day, and it just popped in. And I saw for the first time, and I'm 61 years old, I saw for the first time how defined I am by my ideas. These ideas are me. I don't have ideas. They have me. They are me. And so um, it isn't um, a coincidence that these struggles came up as we published the book and co-authored the book because all of a sudden I put out my entire life's work. And I felt way exposed. And, um, and so as we got into some conflict around that, it was uh, intense for me because I am my ideas. And I was behaving very uh, autocratically around that. Look, let me tell you, I got this nailed. I understand. You don't, you don't understand. That kind of conversation was not helpful. When I saw it, I immediately started to laugh because... Once I got over, you know, the upset of it, I started to laugh. I went, all these years I've been thinking that Bill and others around me were so arrogant. When I'm the arrogant one, I'm defined by my ideas. Don't mess with them. They're perfect. I got this. I've been working on this my whole life. This is, unbeknownst to me, this is me. You're messing with me. (laughs) And so um, I wrote Bill and I says, Bill, I've been wrong. And I've been wrong in a partnership for quite a while. I'm ready to talk. And he wrote back, I feel your heart, brother. Let's talk. We had an extraordinary conversation uh, at breakfast before I work with a client. Mostly me owning up to how I've been 
unconscious, here's the word unconscious, of a deep reactive pattern uh, with a core assumption that my ideas define me. Once we got clear on that, um, our relationship went to another level. Our level of ideation and co-creativity and creating new stuff and the new book and so on just went through the roof. The business is growing because there's a lot less in the way and there's a fluidity in our, our creativity that couldn't arise because of how I was holding things. So it's really a very interesting. And that's what we mean by reactive leadership. Uh, being unconscious, that's the nature of it. We're not aware because it's conditioned. It's something we put in a long time ago. We've been doing it our whole life. So it's just automatic and it reaches limits and we may not even know it until we're bumping up, putting our head against the wall, you know? <laughs> and so, um, and then it's time to do the work to see it and then shift it. So how do I want to show up? And that's the self-authoring. The self-authoring perspective is both how do I embody my vision of myself as a leader? How do I embody the kind of culture we're trying to create here? The kind of relationships I want. How do I become that? And then the ability to take a perspective on, to see into my operating system and see where it's supportive of that and not, and redesign it. Redesign it meaning, okay, that's not true. What is true about me? I don't have to be so threatened when people criticize my ideas because I'm not my ideas. So that's the work of the shift, and it's a big shift, and it's a big shift in self-awareness, and then it really shifts how leaders show up in um in every situation in which they lead. Right. Thank you so much for sharing your own personal story. And as you just said rightly, you know, we hit against a wall and then it takes us an event or something drastic to come up. And then we see how we have been so attached to our idea or how we have been playing it very safe in caught up in our own identity and working on the reactive side. How can one realize, how do you help people move up from the reactive to the more creative side at an earlier stage? Well, uh, here's the interesting thing. Uh, we work with a lot of senior teams and they've declared for a more agile culture. And there's a good business case for why they need to do that. We need to get faster to market. We need to be more innovative. We need to, with competition and complexity in the marketplace, we need to be able to reinvent the organization faster. And so agile leadership, more highly engaged, more innovative. Teams are declaring for this. And as soon as you do, whether you are aware of it or not, you put yourself in a spiritual boot camp. You, are, you have called it up. So we were with a team, a uh, very senior team, large company in the United States, won't mention it. Mm -hmm. They've declared for being a conscious business. So if you're familiar with a conscious capitalism book by uh, John Mackey and Raj Sasoda, mm -hmm. um, that's a really great book on the kind of organizations and what it takes to really thrive in the, in the marketplace today uh, and be consciously led and, con and be a conscious business. So they had declared for this. And they've been working on it for a couple of years. And we did their leadership circle 360 profiles. They were highly reactive. Mm -hmm. And when we met with them, it was 
Um, we had a day and a half with them. It was profound, actually. Um, they knew all the language. They'd actually been doing a lot of the work. They hadn't yet seen or learned how to translate it into the way they show up moment to moment in their business meetings. And so we helped them work that. We helped them get really clear on what's one thing. If I were to say, you know, where do you start? What's mm-hmm. the one thing? Mm-hmm that would take your leadership to the next level and really get clear on it. Uh, like in my case, I needed to be more collaborative and open to other people's ideas and suggestions. So that was, that would take my, then I need to get really clear on the one big reactive tendency. So how do I get in my way? How do I interrupt that? Well, I respond arrogantly. I get critical of other people's ideas. I get defensive. I, and I need to get underneath that to the point of seeing the fear and the illusion in it. And when you can hold intention over time, the here's what I want and here's how I am or here's what I've got, here's how I'm showing up, you can hold that, it moves. And when it moves, you're actually working the fundamental transition of reactive to creative. Uh, something self-authored. How do I? What? How do I really want to show up? What kind of outcomes and results do I want to create with within the organization, within the team, within my conversation here? And how do I interrupt that? Get in my own way? Cancel myself out? When you can hold those both and work it over time, you will move. The other thing that we do with them is get what I call harvest a feedback-rich environment. All of our data, and we're going to publish this in the next book, all of our data suggests people see you. They see you really clearly. We did a big study of the written comments and compared that with the, with the um, qualitative and, and, and quantitative data and looked at the correlation between that data. It was astounding. So people see you with more precision than we ever knew. And if you can harvest that and get feedback and build a trusting a learning team learning feedback rich environment it can shift pretty fast and um, those are just a few ideas of how you start to work the shift right very often i see leaders who say the problem is out there that's the first very very first level of awareness mm-hmm. my team has a problem the executive team has the problem mm-hmm. can you go work with the team well, first of all, that's my favorite go-to. So <laughs> when, I get, when I get into a conflict or a problem, my first and favorite is like, they're the, they're, if only they would change. If only he wouldn't be so arrogant. I mean, come on. And once I get to a certain, that's what I said with Bill, I finally got to a point where maybe I'm part of the problem here. And if I'm right. not part of the problem, I really can't be part of the solution. And so the first move um, is to say, okay, all things change when we do. So leadership is the deployment of self into circumstances. You are your primary asset. What's, you, you bring the weather as a leader and into the team, into the organization. And so what's happening around you is a reflection of you. And so there's a great poem uh, by a Zen master. He says, the hand moves and the fire's whirling takes different shapes. The hand moves and the fire's whirling takes different shapes. All things change when we do. <laughs> and so it's a universal principle. And it's one of our first, um, we have th- in the book we're writing called Scaling Leadership. There are three 
key things you need to do to scale conscious leadership in an organization, to build this creative mindset and leadership in the organization around you. And the first principle or first tenet is start with yourself. And we've talked mostly about that uh, here. And so if you don't, and if as a senior leader like the CEO or if you're in charge of the division, if you don't then start with yourself and take responsibility for the development effort, become the chief development officer, then um, likely the cultural shift, the organizational transformation you're trying to pull off won't happen. Excellent. So be the change that you want to see in the world out there. Yes. <laughs> it's as simple and hard as that. <laughs> and so be the change and check the gap between how you see yourself and how others see you. That's the process where you begin, where one begins. Yeah, that's the beginning. How do I, what's my development gap, right? And so, and here's the hold we have on that. If you're in a position of leadership today, you cannot not be in over your head. You, you cannot not be facing a development gap. The world is becoming so increasingly complex at such an accelerating rate that it challenges everyone. And so as soon as we step up to a new position, we're challenged to scale our leadership. As soon as the organization says we want to grow 2x and we want to do that through being more agile or more innovative or whatever it is, you put yourself in a, in a development gap. And so no shame in that, actually. We're all in it. I'm in it. Bill's in it. Our business is growing 50% a year right now. We are so far into a development gap. Um, that's just the way it is. And so how do you see it? The development gap is the mismatch between the complexity of the context, the, the business complexity we're facing and challenges, and the complexity of my mind and heart to meet that challenge. And reactive, not complex enough, not mature enough, not adaptive enough, to, uh, uh, creative, uh, minimum system specs to deal with the kind of complexity we're in. Integral, even more uh, adapted for that. Integral's designed for large systemic complex change. Only about 5% of leaders are running that operating system. How do you see the difference between creative and integral leadership? Well, there's a lot of differences. I'll just quick, uh, time frames expand. So reactive is weeks to months. I'm mostly solving problems, fighting fires. It's more short-term problem mm -hmm. fix kind of orientation. Cre creative is much more uh, about 10 years, 10, 15-year time perspective, long-term vision and strategy, self-authored vision. Um, and strategy and so and then systemic is decades if not centuries in time perspective it's shifts from being an author of my business or the part of the organization I manage to taking responsibility for the welfare of the whole system and becoming an architect so systems thinking boots up here becoming an architect of the larger system this is where conscious leadership by Mackie and uh, John and Raj have uh, are really saying they got to you got you got to integrate all your stakeholders right you got to optimize and integrate 
uh, all stakeholders, welfare, and that's a challenge. So it isn't just profitability, and you need to make a good profit to be responsible to the business, but you also have to have really engaged, motivated, developing employees, treat your customers uh, exquisitely. Um, and, and they go on to say that the environment, uh, not only community in which we do business or the national economy and so on, but the ecology, the environment is a stakeholder. And so how do you optimize the welfare of all the stakeholders in which your business is uh, involved or involved in your business? And that becomes very complex. And you're holding a big opposites in tension. How do we be responsible to profitability and to the ecology? That's a big tension. And systems uh, or uh, architects and integral leaders can hold that and optimize that in a way that's not yet accessible from creative leadership. The only other thing I would just briefly say is that they've completely rewritten their inner code as well. So they go, you go from self-authoring where I am this self-authored self and I work really hard on it and I've got really good at it. I'm, I, I, I am the change I want to see in the world to, uh -huh. to I am my opposite as well. Uh, so the masculine meets the feminine. I'm dark and I'm light. I am both um, an engaging leader and a controlling leader. I have the whole bandwidth in me. This is me writing Bill saying I've been wrong and I've been wrong for a long time. And so you can hold the, these big tensions within yourself and therefore outside of yourself. So when you hit embittered conflict, it's not, you don't make an enemy out of it. There is no enemy. Uh, I am the enemy I see in you. <laughs> okay, let's talk. And that allows for a level of dialogue and creative engagement that's rare. And um, so there's much we could say about the integral leader platform. Um, only 5% are running it, but probably 15% of leaders are functioning well at creative and could be making this move. And so they're also challenged in a development gap there. Right. When you talk about integral leadership, sometimes it can just seem very overwhelming, like it's too big for me. And yet at the same time, can you give an example of a low-hanging fruit that one can grab for when moving from creative to an integral leadership style? Great question. Because I think as a field, we're still uh, trying to figure out that transition. Since 5% of leaders play there, we don't really work there. If you're not fully functioning at creative, so if you're well into the transition or working the transition from reactive to creative, you need to make mm -hmm. that move. You can't make it from reactive. So one step at a time, you know, one upgrade at a time, right? And so then right. um, I would say one place to start is uh, in the outer game, start to really learn about systems thinking and take on. Um, what's been written there, how you redesign whole systems, how you think systemically, how you hold the whole system and move from problem solving where cause and effect are related in, in time and closely related in time and space to systems thinking where the cause and effect could be 
quite disparate in terms of something we did uh, five years ago over in this department is now shifting something big over here that we wouldn't connect those dots, but a systems thinker will mm-hmm. or start to hold that longer term, bigger perspective in terms of how the system is designed. So designing systems for higher performance would be one key framework. The other thing I would say is start to learn about uh, projection. So when you're making someone an enemy, when you're blaming them, mm-hmm. how are they just like you? How does that live in you? Take the log out of your own eye, right? So you can see clearly enough. This is integral uh, work. And when I can see that, oh, he's not the arrogant one, I am, or uh, that's a, a reflection of me. That's why I can't stand it. That's a part of myself I can't stand. Or I repress, I don't want to admit to myself. If I can start to hold those inner tensions, I can start to function very differently with the outer tension. And the function and dysfunction out there is mirrored in me. It's not separate from me. Mm-hmm. So the more I can see my own uh, complexity, my own uh, many parts, some of which I like, some of which I don't like, some of which are sort of banished and unacceptable, the more I can hold that, the more I can show up in a way that heals the same dynamic in the outer world, in our teams, and the way our organizational culture works. If I can't see it in me, I won't see it out there, or I'll blame. And that's uh, those two things would be moves to the integral. Excellent. Thank you very much for sharing your insights here with us. And I hope uh, people listening out there will take a step forward to look at themselves in the mirror and see what is it that, what's the change that they can make in themselves and move up on the scale of leadership. And before you go, would you like to share another message with the audience? Hmm. Well, I shared that all things change when we do. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, I'll go back to the poem. All things change. Uh, The hand moves. This is the outer move. I make a move. I shift. The hand moves and the fire is whirling. The outer world around me takes different shapes. All things change when we do. That's That's the key thing today, I think. Thank you. Thanks, Bob, for being here with us. My pleasure. Really great. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to know more how you can meet your potential, check out www.meetmypotential.com. That's www.meetmypotential.com. Join us again. And until then, stay cool.